Okay. Hey, here we go again. It is Kente Corner. I'm Bobby Bancroft. I'm here with Andrew Geiger, Casual Hoya. What's up? What's up? And this is, we've been doing this since July. We've been, you know, I think we've been putting out some good stuff, Andrew. Finally, 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 we get a game to talk about. And it was not just a ho-hum season opening game over a team, you know, that you're expected to walk over. It, it, it was a lot to digest. Andrew, start us off. I, I mean, what in the shit was that? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I never really thought we were going to lose the game. But yeah. then all of a sudden we're, we're down 20 or whatever it was yeah. in the second half. And I'm like, wait, are we going to lose this game? <laughs> trying to mentally prepare how to deal with losing the game. Um, thankfully, we don't have to deal with losing the game. <laughs> but there was a lot. It was just a lot last night. You know, you, you think you, you schedule Mount St. Mary's in game one at home um, that you wouldn't have to go through last night's emotional roller coaster. But, um, you know, short-time basketball, here we are. Yeah, so real quick, I guess we didn't even we didn't even get to it. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a big Georgetown nerd, so you know what happened last night. Georgetown 81-68 over Mount St. Mary's, which if you look at the score and you don't know anything about it, like, okay, that's about right. You know, they were I think the spread was like 19, so Georgetown doesn't live up to that, but you know, they win by 13, maybe they're up by 20, they put in the reserves. That is not what happened. <laughs> that is not even close to what happened. And everything started early. Um if you follow me on Twitter, I try and do a good job of actually reporting what I see on the scene for college basketball. There is no pregame media like there is for NBA and for baseball. So you don't get a chance to ask Patrick or Coach Ewing, hey, you know, are there any inactives? Or is there anyone hurt? Is anyone suspended? So what I've been doing for the last couple of years, I kind of call it Trey Morning Watch because it seemed like that kid had a lot of injuries. And particularly last year with the concussion, you never knew from game to game what was going to happen. So I'd go out there count all the players on the um, the game notes they give you and then figure out who's in a suit, who's not. So it's like, we're sitting there and I was with um, a couple other reporters and it's like, uh, so Josh LeBlanc isn't out here. And I thought it was really weird that Georgetown did not bring him to the media day, which was on Sunday as one of the three all biggies performers they had last year. I thought it was a little bit odd. And because the way Georgetown things just sort of happen there, you, you start, you start to wonder, you know, the paranoia slips in what's going on with Josh now, luckily, after the warm-ups, he did he was in the building. He was he was in the suit looking good. He was in the building. And I know we got some word that it wasn't an injury. If you're watching on TV, Andrew, like you were, obviously they're saying, you know, he just a coach's decision, he broke a team rule or something like that. But it kind of got started there and it never really recovered until middle of the second half. Yeah, I mean, why does this always happen with Georgetown too, right? Like why do you have to go to you know, pregame warmups and count the number of players on the floor. Like, it seems like, why can't we just have one drama-free home opener or series of home games where we don't have to deal with kids in suits and, and whatnot? I mean, last year, not just with Trey Morning, I mean, you had the whole McClung situation, you know, was right. he going to play? Was he not going to play? Is he on the, a, a treadmill running in the in the locker room or on the bike? I mean, what is what is going on? It would just seem like if they would just send a brief little hey josh leblanc will not play tonight due to a coach's decision okay i mean that just relieves so much mystery and so much like what the f is going on um well leblanc i I mean thankfully i you know i saw uh ben's tweet at some point in the first half but still like i mean yeah transparency 
and I, you know, I do think that, um, I think things, I think that, you know, from my side of things, from dealing with Georgetown, I think that things are going pretty well. And to be fair, I stayed out there. I didn't go inside. I didn't ask, I didn't put it on someone to be like, Hey, can you confirm this? So like, that's something I could have done. I didn't do it. Um, so I need to do that next time. That that's definitely like, that's, that's both parts of, uh, the relationship there but it does seem it does seem to happen and like i said with the i mean i don't know if, you know you probably maybe didn't think twice about it but i was telling people on sunday i'm like uh where's where's leblanc you know well, why 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 isn't he out here like you know whether or not you know maybe i don't know maybe it had something to do with school or whatever but I, I for me that that's why as soon as i got there i dropped my bag in the media office and i was just like i'm gonna go out there and count kids because i have a feeling there's gonna be a surprise there's gonna be there's gonna be some sort of a surprise, and there was. But and, then... and, and, yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we got the W, so it's fine. And hopefully, he plays Saturday. Um, but what if they had lost that game? I mean, I don't know the reasoning behind, you know, the coach's decision. Right. I'm sure it's something bad, but like, <laughs> was it that bad? I mean, if they would have lost that game yesterday. Uh, it's a stretch to say the season's over, but it doesn't help. <laughs> you know, I mean, then you're suddenly in a hole that you've got to climb out of in the non-conference schedule. Um, yeah, I mean, for all the talk of the non-conference, all yeah. the talk was, there was no Mount St. Mary's talk. It was, you know, Syracuse, <laughs> you know, may, maybe playing Duke, uh, Oklahoma State, SMU, Penn, you know, even Penn State, all that stuff. You're not, you're, you know, you're kind of banking these wins. And, you know, I think, uh, yeah, they definitely dodged a bull. I think most coaches will tell you, oh, we you know we'd, we'd rather learn about our team and still get the win, which is kind of what happened last night. So in talking about the game, you know, we got our first look at Omir Yurtseven. Um, it took him a little bit to get going. And I think one of the first things that stood out to me, and you can tell me from TV, is the short leash McClung got, I thought, last night. It was you know, Yeah, as, as... and I agree. And I think a lot of that was the holdover from last year, too. Like, it seemed like it, whenever he did something that Ewing perceived to be out of control, um, he was yanked from the game. I, I wasn't really for it. I mean, I think he's one of those kids that kind of needs to be on the floor. Um, when you need I – mean, when we were down double digits, I mean, how many kids on our team can actually score a lot of points really quickly to get you yeah. back in the game? Right. Um, you know, and then to put – Blair in instead of McClung, I, I just don't get it, especially when Blair was something like, you know, one for seven or whatever it was from three. It's not like he was on fire, five. Uh, whatever it was. I mean, yeah. you know, it, was, it was not like he was doing anything productive out there. Um, you know, Ewing uses these things as, as teaching moments, which is fine. And again, it, it worked out well. And hopefully once these more difficult games start, these things won't happen. Um but, you know, he certainly, Ewing at least, leaves himself open to be questioned um, when you take a kid like McClung out of the game for making a poor decision with a pass or taking an errant shot or something like that. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think um, so real early, you know, back when Mason went to the Final Four, I think they had something called the green team where they, Larinaga would literally just sub all five guys and then he had five guys come in and play for a while. Ewing basically did that. Um, subbing out the starters and going with Allen and Blair, uh, Alexander Gardner, and then Wahab. And that's kind of when the drought started. And when you look at that team, there's no one that can really score. And I, you know, talking more about Javon Blair, he was 0 for 5. A lot of the shots were open. And that's his role in this team. And I think his minutes are going to get dictated by 
is he hot or not? And that's his, that that's who he needs to be. So when you look at that team, who's scoring? And that's kind of the problem. That's one of the reasons I was thinking, if you anyone read my preview, where maybe you put Pickett on that second group because who on that group can score? You know, maybe it's going to be Alexander. He, you know, he ended up hitting a big shot last night. Um, you know, he's actually got some experience. You know, Gardner, we didn't get a big look at him. Wahab, actually, I thought, you know, the stat line isn't huge. He looked pretty like a pretty serviceable backup big, you know, pr- pretty yeah. good. But when Allen and Blair go 0 for 9 as your backup guards and you're going through a stretch against Mount St. Mary's where you can't score, you know, that's where it's like, look, I know that McClung is not Gary Payton. He's not the glove but you're probably going to need to play him a little bit more when you're going through a stretch like that. I think it was eight minutes where they didn't hit a field goal. It was crazy. They're like one for 17. I mean, it was, it was just, and how many times is that really going to happen too? I mean, maybe it was just rust opening game, what have you, but I mean, moving forward, really how many minutes every game are you not going to have at least one of your seven McClung and Akinjo on the floor at the same time? Uh, you know, I think Alexander can score. A lot of these guys missed a lot of shots that are, you know, bunnies, you know, right. um, and you have to think some of those will go down um, moving forward. So um, actually I wanted to touch on your seven for a second, because at the, at the outset, I think you mentioned, yeah, it was a little bit um, tentative, but mm-hmm. I thought towards the end of the game, especially during that run in the last seven minutes, when we put the game away, he was extremely impressive. Oh, yeah. um, he was, uh, you know, just the, the comparison to Govan, just a little bit smoother, you know, I like, and, and just everything seemed to flow better with him. He, he got open looks, nice touch uh, down low and from the free throw line. Um, you know, he's not going to be that three-point threat, I guess, that Govan was, but I don't think we need that. Um, I, I was really impressed with him. Yeah, I think his passing in particular, I mean, I think he only got credited with an assist or two, but I think you feel real confident with him holding the ball, which is why the first part of the game was so – he, you know, he led the team in turnovers. He had four of the Hoyas, 13 turnovers. It just seemed like, um, you know, Patrick had a quote on the media day, sort of like talking about how great he was. But then he also said, well, I think the year off hurt him. And a couple of us looked at each other like, wow, did he really just say that? And it did seem like, you know, he hadn't played a real game in a long time and it showed and he figured it out. I will say, I think we're going to need to see um, as Georgetown's success goes, I think his shot attempts are going to need to go up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. seven for nine's pretty darn efficient. And you could say some of that's because of the turnovers he had early. Maybe some of those turnovers result in him getting, getting shots up, but I think he's probably going to be more around like the 13 field goal temp guy. Um, well, yeah, it, it seemed like he was kind of looked to be the closer last night too. Like the, the offense, it seemed to make a priority of him getting the paint touch on those final possessions. Um, especially if he's got a mismatch, uh, against our opponents, um, which is good. And I think in the early going, yeah, I think you're right. Ewing's going to want to get him more involved early. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get double-digit shot attempts moving forward. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, the biggest eye-opener for me on the Georgetown side was Akinjo last night, kind of just taking the game into his own hands. Um, certainly bodes well. <laughs> for this season if he can do that every game yeah and um i think one of the things early on he had a couple drives that were not very successful the thing for him last year was pretty good three-point shooter not a great finisher and he had some he was able to finish around the rim a couple times um i think 
in keeping on the offense, and we need to switch to defense here in a second because that's where you know maybe people might owe Jesse an apology. Um, I think McClung has to a conscious effort to get to the line more. I mean, there were some games. I think it was the win at Marquette, uh, maybe the Villanova game here, where you know this guy can go to the rim, and he can get fouled, and that's a really big deal. You know, just you know, get other guys in foul trouble, scoring points off the line. I mean, I think that you know if McClung going going two for two from the from the free throw line. You're, you're going to want to see him near like, you know, eight attempts a game at least in games where he goes off and has, you know, 14, 15. I think that's a really important part of their offense. Mm-hmm. Defensively, you know, they made that Mount St. Mary's backcourt. And this is, you know, this is goes into why, you know, McClung spent some time on the bench, made that Mount St. Mary's backcourt look, you know, look like one of those backcourts that Georgetown has unfortunately seen in the NCAA tournament back when they used to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, they just really didn't have a whole lot for Gibbs or, uh, or uh, Morris. I mean, it was just, it was tough. And I know a lot of people coming at me on Twitter saying, you know, uh, you know, Armir's coming out, you know, on the pick and rolls and he's getting caught away from the basket. And he's, yeah, he's yeah that was this, you know, so we're going to see what, what the adjustments are to that. You know, a lot of people acting like, you know, Josh Labonte fixes all the problems and maybe he does, you know, cause you didn't, I mean, if you look at their deep roster, is he really the only power forward they have on their roster? The answer is probably yes, right? Well, I mean, Pick Pickett can play the four. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's tall enough. I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, but so you know, we we didn't get to see the the full product, and you know, Saturday's opponent, Central Arkansas, probably is not going to be that you know competitive a game. But I but, think. But going back to that, that that pick and roll stuff that you mentioned with with yeah. the big kind of hedging out defensively at the top yeah. of the key, and then, so far, I mean, I mean almost was... near half court, it seemed like. But like, like what? I mean, maybe I need our nationwide Nolan guy to break it down with some film room thing, but like, when does that ever work? Like, so it's it's a deterrent for the ball handler to be able to create something up there, and I guess it takes some time with the shot clock, but every time your seven would do that, or yeah. uh, or Wahab was out there doing that, I mean, wide open looks under the basket. Yeah. And And it's also like a big ask of a big to go all the way from essentially the three-point line to run back and get underneath the basket in like a second. Like I just, you know, if, if that's something plus, you can pick up ticky-tack fouls that way. Uh, yeah, know, I was just going to say that. How how mad does everyone get, you know, even right. going back to like Hibbert? Like, oh, yeah. why is Hibbert getting a foul out there? Like, does that make any sense? Right, it makes no sense. I just don't see the upside of it. Um, look, Ewing has forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But like, same here, yeah, yeah. That, right, but that's something that, um, you know, if that were to be eliminated from our defensive schemes, I don't think I'd have a problem with it. So, um, I don't know how it comes across on TV, but everything that they've enhanced in the arena is pretty cool when you're actually inside. Right. Um, there's new like the the, the hanging scoreboard. I, I've been to one Wizards game already this year, so I, I kind of knew what's going on. But the hanging scoreboard, there's like a 360 scoreboard like drop down, like basically where the hanging scoreboard was. It's been made. It's bigger and it's um, it goes down further. And there's like a scoreboard up inside the scoreboard. So wherever you are, you can sort of see what's going on. The new LED lights um, are kind of everywhere, so they kind of got like a little like Madison Square Garden where like it's darker. I don't think it came across. I watched the game a little bit when I got home last night um, on uh, DVR. I don't think it comes across as well on TV. You're talking about the, the, the dimmer switch thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, look, I I actually thought it looked pretty good. I, it, okay. I think the reason why the one at MSG and um, I think or, out in or LA at Staples, or Barclays even too, it, it just dims more of the crowd at those other arenas, whereas um, it appeared last night, maybe they can adjust it. The, the first few rows and the ones that kind of like appear on camera on TV were still fairly illuminated. Yeah. Um, but when I saw from people who were taking pictures of the game and what have you, um, some of those other seats in the lower bowl that were, I guess, above row 15 or so did, did appear to be fairly dim, um, which was good. Yeah, no, I think, I think it looks really cool. And in the corners up in the 400 levels, there are video boards up there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking to you know, people last night, like when you turn around, it's like you feel like you're in a casino a little bit. Like there's just so much to catch your eye and everything is really crisp and bright. And so it looks really cool in there. And I thought there was a pretty good student section. Um, just one side, they did the side closest to the Mount St. Mary's bench. Um, I thought it was a pretty good turnout for the opponent and for being you know Wednesday night in November. But, and it, it got loud when Georgetown made that run. And eventually, you know, they came back, I think, tied it at 56, and they went down a little bit, and then they came back and ended the game on a 20-to-1 run. But do we, uh, have a, do we have attendance? attendance yeah, attendance? so it was like 4,500. It was, it was pretty bad. Oof. Okay. And that's what I'm kind of getting at is, and in, in, in talking with Ben last night about it, like, obviously, Georgetown's not going anywhere. There's literally nowhere they can play these games other than where they're doing it, unless something happened at the GoGo Arena, and I've been told it's kind of a logistical nightmare to work over there it's, or just the facilities aren't really made for something like that but if that had been in like a 6,000 seat arena like it would have probably felt really cool in there I, I thought sitting where I was on the court I have a great seat um it, it got really loud even though it wasn't a lot of people in there and I you know it's just you know it's chicken or the egg right like as soon as Georgetown gets good more people will start going to games you know but they have to get there first um so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe and maybe Saturday will be a better barometer. You know, it's the first weekend game um against a, another shitty team. But you know, at, at least it's a it's a weekend. Uh, you know, more kids can go. I'll be curious to see what the It is actually a kids' club there. game, which my kid is part of. Oh, there you go. So yeah. maybe we get to eight thousand. I'm I'm not you know, that might be a stretch. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh attendance was fifty two hundred. I think last year the opener was forty five hundred. Sorry. It was but okay. it's still not a great number, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, we'll see what it is on Saturday. Um, I also am very curious to see how the team plays on Saturday. Um, I, I would have to think that we won't see a repeat of the first half against Mount St. Mary's. No, I don't think so. And, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, losing that game would have been pretty bad. I did make the joke that, you know, that's one way to make sure that Mount St. Mary's has a good net rating is to give them this win. Um, obviously not the way you want them to get there, but um, in, in winning a game like this where, you know, you kind of go through like a whole season of emotions in 40 minutes, you do, these games are good to kind of play with your lineups. Like that's what they're for. Like it's not, you know, it's not supposed to be that. So, you know, I think for the first time in Ewing's three years, when you add uh, LeBlanc, he's really got 11 guys, Right. And eventually you probably need to shorten that rotation and, you know, guys are going to, you know, beat guys are going to beat guys out, but he's trying to figure out what is he going to do? You know, we might not see what I, what I call, you know, I was calling it the teal team last night because I actually like when they wear that color. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that because there's literally no offense on the teal team at, at the moment, you know, 
And also, I was thinking, well, you kind of had the Bahamas to iron out rotations, but the reality was, I mean, Mosley didn't play in those games, right? He was injured or or whatever. So they really haven't had, other than practices, they really haven't had um, the full squad together in a, you know, in a game type situation. So, you know, that'll be assuming, again, LeBlanc plays and assuming no one else is in a suit. Um, on Saturday, I'll let uh, you know. Be, check, check my Twitter. I will. That that's yeah. literally what I do. And if someone is in a suit, I'm going to go and just ask. You know, someone at Georgetown, and they will give me an answer. So that said, you know, it's uh, we can definitely try and try and figure that. Out. But yes, hopefully, no one is in a suit. Good, good. Um, and also, um, you know, I think mm-hmm. I think Blair and Allen, and I think I'm I'm probably more pro Blair than other people because I do think that he provides shooting. It just he happens to be incredibly streaky. I I think we might look back in a couple of weeks and the idea of Blair and Allen combining to go 0 for 9 and for one point combined is probably going to be an outlier. That's what I think. Now, I know that there's there was a lot of Blair um, frustration sent my way last night on Twitter, so I might be the only one leading this charge. But I, I do think that he can be a guy that just comes in to make shots. So that might be a little, this might be a little bit of an outlier game. Um, uh, yeah. Are you are you are you leaving me alone on uh, Blair Island? I I I don't think you're alone on Blair Island. I do think though, it's very easy to tell right off the bat with him in particular whether or not it's going to be like a good Javon game or a bad Javon game. Okay. And um, yeah, he's just like when he's when he's off, he's way off. It's not like last night. It was very apparent that he wasn't bringing much to to the floor. I thought, and that was, and that was pretty apparent early. <laughs> um, so that's why I got kind of frustrated with McClung being off the court for no real reason. It wasn't like he was in foul trouble or anything because Mac can bring so much more to the court than, than Blair can all things being equal. Um, but I think, I do getting think in foul trouble is going to be like low on the, the issues for McClung this year. Right. But I do think that, um, that Blair does bring something that no one else can on the team. And that is when he's hot. I mean, he can be lights out from three, Um, uh, you know, and he's probably our best pure shooter. So he does need minutes. um, But he's one of those kids where early on, if he's not, you know, if he's not on, he shouldn't be on the floor. Yeah. No, you're right. He's, He's not, he's not the kind of player that, you know, you, you say keep shooting until you start making it, you know, because I think he takes away for a lot on the defensive end um, and pretty much doing everything else on offense with other turnovers. Um, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he's valuable enough on the floor where you give him a chance to get hot uh, by hoisting a number of shots. I, I think the only bad shot he took is he took like a, for coming, come down the left side, obviously he took like a, I think he tried to bank it like kind of running like a running bank yeah. Yeah. and it, it led to a breakout the other way. And I think you might've called a timeout right after that. I was like, Oh boy, this is really unraveling right now. And um, I don't want to take everyone down pain lane, but as this was happening, there was a lot of talk uh, on press row about like, what does this feel like? You know, and like people were tweeting, Oh, it feels like the NCAA tournament. Um, I didn't really compare it to that just because the opponent is so poor, at least, in those games, the opponent, even the mid-major opponents, obviously, like, they were good. You know what I mean? Like, Mount St. Mary's, by all accounts, is going to be, like, you know, maybe might not make their conference tournament, I think. But um, to me, it felt like Arkansas State. You know, I mean, 
in the last two years of JT3, they had some bad losses. Radford was, I think, an overtime or double overtime. Monmouth, UNC Asheville, you know. Uh, but for me, I don't know about you, and maybe you can compare it. It felt like, wow, like they're just getting run out of the gym right now. This is, feels like Arkansas State. It did feel good. I don't think, you know, I, I didn't really need a reminder of any other game in the past. Because, well, again, I was trying to, was I, I was trying to compare it to something. But I and I get that and I appreciate it, but I don't I don't need that reminder because this year is supposed to be different. You know, we we don't, we have too much talent for this crap to happen. So hopefully we got it out of the way uh, the first 25, 30 minutes of the season, um, yeah. and now you know onwards and upwards. Well, you know, not to just keep harping on Georgetown, but if you want to talk about crap, did you see the Syracuse score last night? Uh, I did. <laughs> I uh, that that game was kind of painful to watch. You know, as much as we like to criticize Syracuse for their 34 points, it's not like UVA was lighting up the scoreboard on the other end. Right. Um, I, I I kept thinking like, w- w- how many points would Georgetown score against UVA? I'm not really sure, but I I, I think it'd be think interesting. That, yeah, I I do too. Um, I would hope we'd put up more than 34, because <laughs> uh, that's fairly embarrassing and everyone associated with Syracuse should be very embarrassed. Um, but you know, I'd like to play UVA. No, I, I think, I think it would be great. It, it would be a great game. They're actually playing uh, my alma mater next. And I'm a little concerned about that. Um, <laughs> the fighting Dukes of JMU. I think that's who UVA has got next, but, um, and speaking of 34, you also saw that was a significant number last night. This is Georgetown related as well. Cole Anthony had 34 points. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to harp on Cole Anthony. Obviously, he is a you know, top five pick in the draft, and I would have loved to have him at Georgetown. But, you know, North Carolina can't fault the kid. Sure, of course. Hopefully, hopefully we meet him in the tournament. Um, but other than that, I wish him nothing but the best. The only the only Georgetown-related part to that is there are some people that would tell me, well, you know, how does he fit into Georgetown? And you're like, look, yes, you have Akinjo, you have McClung. Okay, you get Cole Anthony, you play three guards, okay? Like, you know, this idea. Right. I mean, there was people saying that, and God bless them. But look, obviously, everyone, it, it, it was not a knock on Akinjo and McClung, who had great freshman years. Akinjo is one of the best players in the conference. Um, you know, McClung, you know, maybe might be might join him on that on that on that level. But clearly, if you can get a Cole Anthony, you take him and you figure out the problem of minutes later. Figure it out. Four stars, five stars, get him in. Figure out the minutes later. Totally agree. Um, is this the last we want to talk in the Mount St. Mary's game? Unless it's looking back, saying, "Look at how much they've grown since the Mount St. Mary's game." Well, hopefully, that's what we'll be discussing after the Central Arkansas game. Yes, uh, they've got Central Arkansas on Saturday. Get your kid down to the game. It is the kids' club game. Um, the Central Arkansas Bears. They actually play some team called Hendricks tonight. Okay, I don't, you'll be scouting. Know, nice scouting report for you. I don't know <laughs> what division that is, but it is not Division One. So, um, and then so Central Arkansas has the real tough. Saturday, Tuesday, for going from D.C. to Raleigh, they've got the Hoyas, and then they've got the Blue Devils. So, good luck to you guys this week. <laughs> um, I think that's all I got for the first uh, the first game. Andrew, it was good to talk about the Hoyas actually playing. 
even better to talk about them winning. Undefeated, um, undefeated powerhouse national championship season survives. They survived. Um, and if you're still listening to the end of this, I want to say thank you. We're getting pretty good download numbers. I'm impressed or surprised or astonished every time I look. Um, again, if you're listening, you can find us and you already have found us, but we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, Andrew is at Casual Hoya, very entertaining Hoya or uh, Twitter feed at all times, but even more so during the games. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. It's the best of times again. Um, I'm Bobby Bancroft, and uh, we'll see you later. See you.